one. We looked last week at the high priest. Okay, and we were reminded again that a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ who has confessed their sins and accepted him as Lord and Savior is now put in the position of a priest because we are born into the family of God and you are a leader. Okay? We are priests. And, uh, that, but then we looked at the focus of the high priest last week and we understand that prophetically in that picture that Jesus Christ is the high priest. He is the high priest. The Old Testament high priest was just a foreshadowing of what was to come in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we looked at the benefits of that. And just to quickly to, to set the tone for this morning, um, we were reminded that we as his church are his bride. And we looked last week ending up on a Valentine's Day that he was to take a virgin as wife. Okay, and we talked about the fact that the Apostle Paul says, I want to present you, church, as a chaste virgin unto the Savior. I want you to be without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That God is wanting us, even in that picture, to be sanctified. Now again, as we've been talking about a theme in the book of Leviticus, is be ye holy, sanctified, as I, the Lord thy God, am holy. So God has sanctified us, but he expects us to sanctify ourselves. So even though he has set us apart as his bride, as his church, as his people, we don't always act like his bride or his church or his people. So there's two parts to that, and we've talked about it very, very, uh, a lot. Okay, almost every week that God has done this amazing thing for us and what a privilege that is, but you and I need to actively be pursuing that. Okay, and just like anything else in this world, you can have the privilege of freedom. You can have the privilege of a spouse. You can have the privilege of a job, but you don't necessarily always value that or use it properly. Okay, so anything in life, this is not something that's hard for us to understand. I am a happily married man. Ask my wife, she tells me everything I need to know. Um, okay, you say, am I happily married? Of course you're happily married. Okay, yes ma'am, I'm happily married. Okay, uh, no, I'm just teasing. But I don't, I have the opportunity in my life to act like I'm not a married man, don't I? I can go out in this world and like some people do and hit the bar scene and look for other women and act like I'm not a happily married man. I have that option. Okay? It is amazing privilege. Okay? I am a citizen of the United States of America. Thank the Lord for that and the freedoms that are still there even though they're a little teeter-tottery now and then. But you know what? I don't have to. I can go outside the laws of this state and forfeit my, uh, this government and forfeit my freedom, right? If I go out and murder people, all of a sudden my freedoms, I don't, I'm not forced to do that. I can happily be a law-abiding citizen and enjoy the freedoms here in our country, but I can decide to not do that. Okay? It's just like being sanctified in the Lord. He's done an amazing thing for us. He's given us everything we can possibly need he's guaranteed our salvation he's forgiven us our sins he's given us all spiritual blessings and we can walk in that but oftentimes we choose not to 
And today we're going to be talking about choosing not to. All right, and so first I want to look at a couple of things that in this picture of the church, and then we're going to be looking at disqualifiers for the ministry. Okay, so the rest of this chapter talks about problems in a priest's life that would keep them from ministering in God's work. All right, so let's read just a couple of first verses here, starting at verse 13 and 14, and then we'll pray. Verse 13. And ye shall take a wife in her virginity, a widow, a widow or a divorced woman, or profane or an harlot, these shall he not take, but he shall take a virgin of his own people to wife. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, again, we are reminded clearly that all these things in the Old Testament were written for our learning. They are an example to us. Father, they are prophetic. They are pictures. They are things that we can learn from. And Father, I just pray that uh, you would help us today. Some of these things are not going to be hard for us to put into our, our thinking. And Lord, I just pray that you would, uh, we just uh, sang about the fact that it was there by faith I received my sight. Lord, that uh, we can see things here. This is not just about the physical conditions of a person in the Old Testament. Again, so many times we see in the scripture that the physical pictures, the physical history in the Old Testament is just showing us a spiritual truth and a spiritual application for us in here in the New Testament. So Lord, make that clear to us today. Help my mind as I present those things that your word has showed me. Uh, Lord, be with your Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, help him to guide me in what I say and to help each one of us to learn what we need to learn so that we can adjust, so we can be better servants. So, Father, thank you. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. So, in this picture of that high priest only taking a virgin, only taking someone who is pure, okay, someone who is keeping themselves and sanctifying themselves, okay, and representing the Lord, he gives a couple of qualifiers here of who didn't qualify. Number one is you couldn't be a widow, Okay, and basically we're talking about uh, n- doesn't have a husband. Okay, they're, they're, the husband is dead. Now again, just to make this clear, to set our minds in thinking of this as a picture, okay, if we the church are the bride and our husband is Christ, we better have a good open relationship with him. We talked the song we sang this morning is just a closer walk with thee. Grant it, Jesus, is my plea. Okay, Daily walking close to thee. The picture is, if you don't have a husband anymore, you're not in a relationship with, you, with your husband anymore, are you? Okay, so if you're a widow in this picture, you are no longer in a relationship with your husband. As a church, it's funny to me, funny not haha but funny ironic that there are churches that actually use that name church and have absolutely nothing to do with the lord jesus christ they don't preach him they don't read his bible they're social gathering for people who want to pat themselves on the back and make them feel better about things they do in this world but when it comes to a relationship with their true husband they don't have one he's dead You see the picture? 
Okay, it also says not a divorced woman. Okay, now please, this is Old Testament pictures. Again, we keep seeing a physical example in the history to point to a spiritual truth. Okay, we talk about the temple in the Old Testament. Okay, that was a physical building. But now I am the temple. Okay, so does that mean I, have, I need to put in doors and windows and in this body? No, okay, it's a physical picture of a spiritual truth. That's what we're talking about. So a divorced woman, again, people will get all wound up about this. The picture here is someone who has broken their vow with their spouse. Okay, if we are God's church, he is our husband, we better make sure that we are committed 100% to what our relationship with that person is. Maybe he's not dead, but we've left them. We're now separated. We're divorced. We have broken our vow. And I don't know about you, but I know very many Christians who've done that. Who have a spouse. They have a husband, Jesus Christ but they've walked away and they're pursuing other things. And that's where we further in the next says, it says, or profane. That word profane means unfaithful, polluted, or prostitute. That there are those who in their life as a spouse picture in the Old Testament had lived a pretty filthy life. They said, as the high priest, that's not the kind of wife you want to have. But you know what? There's those who are Christians who are espoused to their husband, Jesus Christ, and are unfaithful. They're polluted. They've prostituted themselves. Now, what is a prostitute? Uh, again, we don't need to get into the nitty-gritty, but it means you... Do things you're not supposed to in exchange for the things you want. Okay, that's probably the easiest way to put it. Okay, you would exchange a sexual act for money, or in some cultures it's not monetary things. You would exchange sexual acts for getting your children into school, for positions that uh, you might get in government. It means you are breaking your vows as someone committed to your husband to get something in return. And there's a lot of Christians that do that as well. They're only in it when it's convenient, but the moment it's no longer convenient, they're really willing to sell themselves to anybody, any buyer that comes by. We need to be careful. It also says, or a harlot. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, you just said prostitute. Well, this word harlot in the Scripture has that connotation behind it, but how many times have we seen it in the scripture that says, you have gone and played the harlot? Okay, These people are going out and violating their vow, not necessarily for something they want in exchange, just because they feel like it. Okay, This idea of playing the harlot means, that, no, I'm not necessarily doing this in exchange for reimbursement for what i'm going to do i'm just doing it because it's something i want to do it's a lust of my heart and i'm just going to go after it and you know how many christians that they call themselves christians who are 
supposed to be married to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're his bride. We're supposed to be pure, without wrinkle, without spot. A chaste virgin unto the Lord decide that, eh, whatever I want to do today, I'm going to do it, and it doesn't matter. Be just because I want to. Okay, um, I heard a song on the Christian radio, and I, I'm not sure how to deal with it yet. It's, call, it's called, I Still Cuss a Little. I don't know if you've heard it. Uh, it's a Christian song. And basically, I, and I kind of understand the person's point, but it's fuzzy. They're basically stating that I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I read my Bible. I try to live for him, but I fall now and then. But the way that it's worded in the song uh, says, uh, I still drink a lot, but I read my Bible. I still this, and then the phrase at the end is, I still cuss a little. Okay, well, stop cussing. Stop drinking. You know, yes, we are people who have sinful problems, but that doesn't mean you have to say, eh, I'm a Christian, but I'm, I still mess up now and then, and that's just the way it is. No, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, if you're cussing, stop cussing. If you're drinking, stop drinking. It's not that. That's what being sanctified is. So the point being, okay, the Lord has sanctified us, but we're still sinners, so I guess we just have to deal with that. We had a person that we knew uh, who had a swearing problem, and her response was, well, I'm just from New York. That's how I am, so you're just going to have to deal with it. No, get your heart right with God and knock it off. Okay, if you have a behavior in your life that is unproductive in your faith, then stop it. Don't just say, well, that's just how I am. I thought the Lord Jesus Christ could change us. I thought we put off the old man and put on the new. I thought it says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't say, well, that's how I am. That's how you were. Jesus is now working in your heart. Knock it off. So again, I understand the, the songwriter's point and the fact that, listen, I don't want to talk behind people's back, but I do. I don't want to think thoughts I shouldn't think, but I do. But that doesn't mean you settle for that. We ought to be doing it better, right? That's the point, and that's kind of where we're headed this morning. So a harlot is someone who just decides... That's how things are. I feel like doing this today, so I'm going to. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm married? Woo, whatever. I'm a spouse to someone else, or I'm supposed to be a pure single virgin? Eh, I don't feel like it today. We've well, got to be careful. Now, I know I could easily point fingers to other churches, but you know what? That same kind of stuff can creep into our own church if we're not careful. Because all, every one of us need to strive to be that pure chase without spot, without wrinkle, or any such thing for our Savior. He gave it all for us. Don't we, doesn't he deserve our effort to give it back? You've been set apart unto God, so set yourself apart. Now that's the church, and he also says uh, his children, the seed should not be polluted or prostituted. Meaning, and we talked about this, that back in that culture, many times people would give their children to do things and sort of offer them and their service to earn brownie points with their God. Be careful. Um, and unfortunately, I've seen how many times, and we can look around this church, that 
many of us have lived our faith before the Lord with some passion, but our children have not. And again, they make their own decisions. Thank the Lord for that, that I'm not responsible for that. But you wonder some, sometimes if we had uh, pushed our children into a place that they ought not to be. Meaning, we talked about this on Wednesday night, guys, that the Word of God is supposed to be laid out as a guide for people. It is a very, very specific, very, very honed tool to get to the heart of a matter, to separate joints and marrow, soul and spirit. But if we're not careful, we can pick it up and use it like a sledgehammer. And God never designed it that way. It is not my job to force somebody to behave a certain way. It is not my job to convict them to, to do what I want them to do. It is my job to say, here's what God's word said. You do what you need to do with it. And again, that we looked at the story of the prodigal son this morning in, in Sunday school, and we were talking about that with the rich young ruler on Wednesday night. You know, it's an amazing thing in both of those stories. When the son decided to walk away, the father didn't chase him. It's not our job to make people conform. It's the Holy Spirit's job to touch their heart. They have to want to change. We can't be pushing them to obey because we want them to. If that was the case, man, line up afterwards. I got some words for each one of us. And I bet you you got some words for me. Grab you by the scruff of the neck and say, all right, cut it out. And you can do the same thing. If not, ask my wife. She'll give you some things she can, she'll go, you know what a pastor can do? He can do better with this. Pastor, your wife said... If it was our job to force one another to do things, things would be a lot different, wouldn't it? It's not. We need to make sure that we're not sacrificing our children into behaviors, thinking that forcing them to act a certain way and do a certain thing is buying us some sort of uh, favor with God. Better be careful. Okay, so that's the thing, that picture about the high priest's bride. Okay, as a church. Now... We're going to talk about priests and their disqualifying uh, symptoms, I'll say. Now, as a disclaimer, what we're going to look at are physical handicaps. Okay? I don't know if that's the, the woke PC term now to call somebody handicapped. Uh, I mean, what is it now? Uh, uh, optically challenged, auditorily challenged, uh, you know, vertically challenged. Uh, pick what you want. The, the point is we're going to see some physical problems in people that describe a spiritual problem for you and me. So what we are going to talk about is you are not allowed to minister as a priest if these issues are present in you. Well, that's the point. You are not allowed to minister as a priest if these issues are present in you. So this has very little to do with a physical disability. It has to do with a spiritual problem. All right, so we're going to look clearly. And I hope, I mean, we've been doing this long enough that most of you, as soon as I read some of these, ought to think, oh, I know what God's trying to say. Okay, because we've been doing it long enough. All right. But I wanted to make it clear, if somebody, look at Johnny Erickson Tata. You guys know her? 
okay, quadriplegic, dove into a, a waterway once and, the, and hit her head when she was diving and paralyzed herself from the neck down. She has very little hand movements at all, paints amazing pictures, written songs and books, goes around the world and does, uh, uh, what do you call it, seminars about her faith in Christ. Okay, just because her four limbs are not working doesn't mean she can't minister for God. Okay, if you've got bad eyesight or you got one leg or whatever, that we're not talking about that in today's picture. That is a physical problem that God is using to picture a spiritual problem. You all with me? I just want to make sure nobody goes back and says, well, pastor says if you're in a wheelchair, you can't serve God. Okay, that is not what we're talking about at all. Okay, you got me so far? Everybody on, on board with that? Okay, so let's begin to look at these together in verse 15. Uh, verse, uh, excuse me, 16. It's the, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, saying, Whosoever be, he be of thy seed in their generations that hath any blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. So there we are. If you have one of these issues, you are not allowed to minister in God's temple, in the sanctuary. All right. Whosoever man that be that hath a blemish shall not approach a blind man. Okay? So if you were a blind man, you could not serve in the sanctuary. You could not offer the offerings. Okay, so what is the problem with the blind man? He can't see. Okay, we talk about this. You know, there's a very, very, very famous verse that, uh, especially if you're talking about missions, I think every missionary in the planet has this written somewhere in their uh, presentation in Proverbs which says, that says, without vision, the people perish. Okay, and we just sang that song. Okay, it was there by faith I received my sight. Okay, without, if you're blind, if you can't see God's program, if you don't see the vision of reaching this world for Christ, if you don't see the vision of growing up people in the Lord, if you don't see the vision of taking somebody who's never met Jesus, meeting them, growing them, and turning the ministry over to them so they can do the same thing, you're blind. That is why we're still here, folks. Now, I know we're created to glorify God, and hallelujah, I'm going to do that for the rest of eternity. But the fact that I'm left on this planet because there's a vision that we need to have, and that is reaching this world for Christ. Pretty soon, I'm not going to worry about reaching this world for Christ. Because we're all going to be in heaven together. The lost are going to be in hell, and it's going to be a brand new heaven and earth, and we won't have to worry about preaching the gospel to people. That's something that's for right now for you and me. God says, if you're blind, if you can't see that vision and you're not able to serve, you're not able to minister in the sanctuary. Because that's the goal. Now again, I could spend a lot of time, we could be here for quite a while this morning, if we just started talking about the churches in this world, churches in this world, who have no vision about reaching the world for Christ. There are thousands of ministries whose goal has nothing to do with preaching the gospel to the lost. They want to put clothing on them, good things. They want to feed them, that's great too. But all those things are points to reach them with the gospel. That is the key. If we don't have that vision, you're blind. 
Okay, you with me so far? Now we're getting this picture. These things should go pretty quick, all right? So you're blind means you can't see. Um, how about lame? If you're lame, what does that mean? Can't walk. Okay, uh, this is not real hard, right? So God says, if you're, let me ask you a question. How's your walk? The Bible says, yeah, Jim says, cockeyed. Jim, you're disqualified. You got a cane, buddy. You got you know, a brace on your leg. You can't miss. No, that's what we're talking about. You're, we walk by faith, not by sight. Right? Our walk is our daily life in the Lord. And it talks about, listen, the way you receive Christ as Savior, by grace through faith, so walk ye in him. You know what? If you're deciding to not walk like a Christian, then don't try to minister for the Lord because it's the worst thing for the rest of us. And please forgive me, Lord, I don't want to set myself above. But when you walk up to someone and say, oh, listen, I'm a Christian. I go to the, oh, I've met some Christians before. And they say one thing and do another. Their walk don't match their talk. I love that song. It still sticks in my head from a couple of uh, VBS we had a few years ago. Uh, your walk talks and your talk talks, but does your walk talk louder than your talk talks? Meaning you can say things, but the way you live your life speaks louder than the way you, what you say. If you're lame and you can't walk in your faith, then you're disqualified from ministering the Word of God. God said, please, just keep your mouth shut if you're not going to live for the Lord. How about a flat nose? Now, here we go. All right, if you've got a flat nose, you're disqualified. All right, now, we've got to be careful because there are those who have used this verse in a very unfortunate manner. Okay, the issue here is not the shape of someone's nose, okay? It doesn't mean that they've been chasing parked cars, okay? I'll let that one sink in for a minute. The car's parked, pop, okay. Flat nose. Basically, there's two thoughts to this. The first is, you ever heard the phrase, you are led about by the nose? When you look up the nose in the Word of God and, and cross-reference this, oftentimes it talks about putting a hook in someone's nose and it's used to control them who are you controlled by if somebody else is pulling your strings and not god be careful right we see these things these little kids on the farm and that big giant bull's got that ring in his nose and the little kid's got a rope and he's pulling that you know 2400 pound bull around little six-year-old why you're getting led around by that thing in his nose the other issue the other thing and we see this more often with god himself how many times did we talk about the fact that the offerings would go up to god and they would either smell good or smell bad don't you love this thing it's probably happened to you if it hasn't you're blessed somebody pulls something out of the refrigerator Pops the cover open, goes, <sniffs> big whiff, and then says, I think this is bad. Smell it. <laughs> right, well, if you think it's bad, why do I have to smell it? Okay, if it's bad, it's bad. Don't make me suffer through it, right? 
And it, we joke, but you know what? It's a picture of discernment. What a, you, you can tell whether something is good or bad, whether something is pleasant to the Lord or unpleasant by its smell. God says, be careful. You know what? If, if you have a problem with your nose, Old Testament picture, New Testament picture is, listen, who's controlling you? Are you able to even tell anymore what's good or bad? The Bible talks is not a novice. Why? Because a lot of times we don't have that spiritual discernment, that wisdom to understand and look and say, I don't think this is biblical. I don't think this jives with God's word. Don't have a flat nose. Make sure that if anybody's controlling you, it's God, nobody else. And that's where this next phrase comes into play. Because again, uh, if we're not careful, so go look again. We said, uh, verse 18, a blind man, a lame man, he that hath a flat nose, or anything superfluous. I mix that one up. I say that wrong sometimes. Superfluous. Okay? What that means is extra. You ever uh, see some of these pictures? I had a family friend when I was growing up who was born with two extra thumbs. Okay, and quite a few surgeries to make sure they were removed correctly. Or you see a cow born with a a fifth leg or something like that. Meaning, things added that weren't put there by God. You You get the picture here? Spiritually, is there things that are super Superfluous in our in our lives, meaning God didn't put it there. It's something that's extra that maybe should need to be removed. Come on, we've all seen it, right? I mean, we'll watch conjoined twins, or we'll see a little child with extra limb, or and the cure for the issue is surgically get that out of there because it doesn't belong it's something that needs to be removed because it's affecting our ability to do what god has designed us to do i've had those how about you i've had things in my life that probably didn't belong there that occupied my time that took some energy on myself that i was supporting this thing that did me no good whatsoever, and it should have been removed out of my life, and it took a while. And you know what? What's amazing to me, the older you get and the more you're used to having that thing, the harder it is to cut it out. It's amazing when the child is little, it's easy to just snip that extra little thumb off or take those things off. You know, a kid born with a little tail or something, right? You've seen it. The longer you grow and the older you get, the harder it is to remove that because you're used to it. And it becomes a habit. And it's something you don't need. It's in the way. It's a distraction. It takes your resources. And it's absolutely no use. Now I could do a little side preaching here on evolution. We'll give you two quick thoughts. Number one is there has never been a helpful mutation ever recorded. Never. You'd think my friend when I was growing up, if he had an extra thumb, 
leave it there. What an amazing piano player he would be. Right? He could hit some amazing chords with that extra thumb. No, it didn't function correctly. It was never meant to be there. And with that in mind, how then in the evolutionary tree, if geneticists have admitted that there has never been a helpful mutation, could they say that we mutated from other animals to become something that we are now? Never. Okay, I've seen cows with a leg growing out of their back. It has never been a good thing. It has always been detrimental to the species. So there's your commercial for evolution. And again, if you t the top geneticists in the world will tell you there has never been recorded ever a helpful mutation. So how did we mutate into something better than we were when all of these things that happen are worse for us? Anyway, there's a commercial. Sorry. I'm just sciencey. I can't pass that one up. Next, verse 19 says, A man that is broken-footed. Okay, uh, we already talked about lame and you can't walk, so what happens if you have a broken foot? You can't walk, you can't even stand. Now I could go into a lot of things like this, but especially in Ephesians where it talks about our job as Christians is just to stand. What you've done, stand fast in your faith. Just stand. I need to be able to have the strength that my faith is so important to me that I can just stand and represent Jesus. Too often, Christians aren't willing to, and here's the phrase that'll probably help us plug it in a little bit more, take a stand. Do you take a stand? Charlie, you had a chance this week to do that, didn't you? Still working on it. Sometimes we need to be able to take a stand. And you say, Pastor, I don't know. I've been there, and I've chickened out. How about you? Where all of a sudden I should say, wait a second. My Bible says, my faith says, my Savior says, oh no, but somebody might think I'm a weird, wacko, fanatical Christian. Or I might lose some friends over this, or, you know, this might affect some of my relationships, or... Don't a broken-footed person can't stand? God says that disqualifies you from ministry. If you think you're going to serve the Lord and share His Word, and you're not going to take a stand for your faith, forget about it. Next one in the same verse, it says, are broken-handed. What is the picture of God's, in God's Word about our hands? We use them to minister, to serve. If you can't serve, you know how many Christians, and uh, unfortunately, sometimes when you go to Bible college, you know, I was able to go and hang around, and you meet some professors who are very knowledgeable in the Bible, and they may have PhDs after their name, and they've been studying it for a long time, but they've lost the desire to serve. What Dan was talking about this morning about loving one another. I can say I love you, but how do I show I love you as brothers and sisters in Christ? Like I said, I can say I love my family, but if I never do anything for them, never spend any time with any, never alter my life to adjust it to theirs, 
There's a lot of Christians who may know God and say they know God, but do not have a servant's heart. And they're not willing to make any effort for anybody. Do you? Now, there's some of you, and I was bragging on a couple of you this week to people on the phone and stuff, that I wish I had the heart of service that some of you do. I mean, I like doing, but some of you just, just put me to shame. You will bend over backwards and do whatever God asks you to do for that person. Others, it's like, eh, whatever. Somebody needs help, eh, whatever. Be careful. God says, you know, if you're broken-handed, if you're not willing to use your hands in the ministry to serve, then don't expect to be in the ministry. Because there's more to it than just having knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. We need to be really willing to serve. Yes, you with me so far? These things are fairly easy, the way God laid this out. It's not difficult. Um, okay, crookbacked. Right, we're in verse 19, uh, verse 20, excuse me, or crookback. Okay, um, man, I was crookbacked on, on uh, Tuesday. I did something on Monday, and Tuesday I spent most of the day like this. Looked like I was staring at my toes all day long. You know what is amazing to me, and the picture here is just that? You want to try to pick something up when you're like that? Man, I could barely pick up a gallon of milk out of the refrigerator. If you're crookback, you can't bear a burden. Too often, and we just read this on Wednesday night, guys, right? In Galatians chapter 1. Where the Bible says, uh, ye which are spiritual, we're supposed to bear ye one another's burdens. You know what? If I can't even bear my own burden, how am I going to bear somebody else's burden? And again, this was in Sunday school. Man, if you were here for Sunday school. God takes away our fears takes away our burdens we can lay them down he delivers us those from so that when we run into somebody who has their own burden who has their own fear who has their own struggle we can help them with that and remind them and people i don't know if this has happened to you i think it has to some of us people say doesn't it bother you i said no i trust the lord i know he's got it covered why because we were able to take our burden and lay it down i don't have to worry about that anymore but you know, there are Christians in this world who are just beat down with burdens that they won't let go of. They can't even bear their own burden, let alone somebody else's. I'm telling you, I've been there before. Somebody comes up and says, Craig, can I talk to you? I've got this problem, and in the back of my mind, I'm going, I can't take anymore. I've got all my own problems now. I'm overloaded. I'm cr- Listen, if you want to be ministering in God's family, you need to be able to bear some burdens. And if you can't take your own and give them to Jesus, how are you going to bear somebody else's? Those of us who have been in faith long enough know that somebody comes to you and begins to talk to you. There's that choice. Can I handle what they're saying? Have I cleared my slate enough that now I can focus on my brother or sister who needs my help? 
If you're crook back, you can't handle it. I'm telling you, um, uh, went downstairs in the, in the basement to put some wood in the wood stove. Oh, and I'm leaning on one piece of wood just so I can pick the next one up and throw it over the other side. I, I couldn't, just one little log I was very able to handle. I had a crook back. Then he says, or a dwarf. Huh, Gimli. Okay, now somebody tell me something about a dwarf. What didn't they do? <laughs> they didn't clean their house. Dirty old dwarf house. Okay, a dwarf, right, is a, a little person because what didn't happen? They didn't grow. There was something happened in their life that caused them not to grow right. These are not hard things to figure out, guys. If you are a Christian, if you want to minister in God's word, but you refuse to grow, that's where we talked about not a novice. you got to be maturing in your life. And Dan was hitting those words this morning in, in 1 John where it talks about we're perfected, we're matured, we're brought to a level of growth in our faith where we can handle those things. God says, you know what, if you're a person who never grew right, don't expect to be serving in his ministry. This is not hard, guys. This is very easy, these pictures. Even though it's a physical thing, and again, we talked about it. We're not talking about physical handicap. We're talking about a picture of some spiritual stunting in our life. You know, there are Christians, and, and again, sometimes it's the system that have spent 30, 40 years of their life in church, and they're exactly the same as they were two months after they got saved. Now again, love them, love anybody who's in the situation. If you don't have a discipleship mentality where you want to take people and help them grow and help them learn, then it's basically like putting a little kid like we've seen now and then that they lock up a little, uh, you know, a, a toddler, and you find them, the, the mom and dad or somebody has left them in the same room until they're 13 years old, they've never gone to school. If you don't have a training system to bring people up and grow them, then of course they're going to be stunted. And there's a lot of Christians out there, guys, and I'm telling you, who have sat in the same pew for decades and are very different, you know, very few changes from when they started going to church. They're a dwarf. God says, grow up. Pretty easy to understand. Next, it says, a blemish in the eye. This means something's blocking your sight. Uh, like a cataract or something like that. But you know what the word basically means here? Is mixed vision. When you look it up, that word is used often of blending two things together and the only thing i can say about this is you're watching the things of this world as much as you are the lord things are blocking you from focusing on what your job is as a believer you've got mixed vision you want to look at this and focus on it but you keep getting drawn over there to that i've been there how about you Hey, you know what? It's easy. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. You know, there's politics thing right now in the world that's driving me out of my mind. 
man, I'd like to just walk around and, and just take care of everybody in one fell swoop. Just, you're done. Because it's malarkey. But you know what? Even something that can cause that much passion in a person can be a distraction and lose your focus on why we're here. I am not here to make Canadians make a good decision. If you've been keeping track of it, there's amazing stuff going on up there. Amazing in good ways and in amazing in terrible ways. And if you want to spend some time talking about it, let's go. I'd love to talk about it. But you know what? If that pulls my focus away from why I'm here, then something's blocking my vision. You can't serve two masters. We need to be of singleness of heart, the Word of God talks about. Quite a few times. We need to have our focus gazed like a laser on our goals. You know, I, I, I watch football just recently. Uh, I mean, I've been watching it a lot, but just recently it's happened. You see the receiver, perfect pass, coming right at him. Beautiful. He's wide open. And just as a ball's going to get there, and one of the things you teach the receiver is grab the ball, then look where you're going. But you know what happens if you watch football, just as the ball's about to get there, the guy's like, I got this. And he turns his head and starts looking upfield. And boop, he drops the ball. Why? Because he stopped focusing on the goal. The goal is catch it first. You can't run for a touchdown if the ball's back there. Just a split second of looking away for a half, and boom, it's ruined. That's what this is talking about. If there's something in your vision keeping you from serving God, distracting you, don't expect to be able to serve God the way he wants you to. Okay, next one. Scurvy or scabbed? You, thanks, pastor. Okay, not my look, if you would, to verse 20 again. As a blemish in his eye, or scurvy, or scabbed. Um, I've got a, a phrase, hopefully, that'll uh, put it right in our vision, right in our mind. A sore spot. Any of you have a sore spot? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about, ow, that hurts right there. The other day I was doing that wood stove, and I put a log in and I touched my arm to the top of the wood stove. I still got the little mark there. It was like sizzle, okay, burnt myself. It was sore for a little while. That's great, but that's not, we're talking about a physical picture of a spiritual problem. You know what? There are times in our lives where we have sore spots. You know what I'm talking about, right? Don't talk to me about that. That's a sore spot. Don't bring that up. I don't know. I, I haven't dealt with that. I, I, and you can throw somebody into an absolute hissy fit if you talk about that thing. You been there? I've been there. Well, don't talk to me about my sister-in-law, or don't talk to me about my children, or don't talk to me about my job, or don't talk to me about politics. It's a trigger we use. You know what? A leader, someone who's serving in God's family, ought not to have sore spots. As a matter of fact, the good verse for this, Ephesians chapter 4. I just want to turn here because this is a good reminder what God has done for us, and we'll be focusing on this in a minute. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse uh, 
That's uh, 29. Let's start there. Okay, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. And here we go. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. You know what? We need to let those sore spots heal and be done with it. Yeah, things happen in our lives that we don't necessarily like, but if it's an open wound that you just keep picking at and you won't let it heal, you can't forgive it, you're bitter, you're angry, you're... it's going to affect ministry. You've got to let it heal. You've got to forgive. You've got to move on. You cannot be effective if you're going to continually have open sore spots that you won't let God heal. Let God heal it. Amen. All right. Delicate moment. The last part of this verse. Or hath his stones broken? I hope I don't have to be more descriptive than that. Okay? Um, Having his stones broken, and in this world today, in some circles, this won't make any sense because they try to claim it doesn't matter. But these are things that men have that ladies don't. Is that delicate enough? Okay, do you know now? Okay. Now, again, in this world, there's all kinds of debate about this. I'm not going to get into that. But we're talking about a, a, a male reproductive organ. Having his stones broken. Guys, if that's the case, what are you unable to do? Reproduce. Thank you, Jim. You are not able to reproduce. Guys, why are we here? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. You and I, our job is to lead other people to Christ. We are to bear spiritual children. That is what our job is. And I said, well, they're not my kids. Well, remember the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, my own son in the faith, that he had led them to the Lord. He considered him one of his spiritual children. How many times have we been in 1 John and John keeps saying, my little children, my little children, my little children. There's the family orientation to it, that we're taking on a spiritual guidance role over this. You are unable to reproduce. Your ministry is going to be hindered. Because our number one job is to go out and lead other people to be born again. Yes? These things in the scripture here are not that difficult to get the picture of. He uses all of these physical disabilities to remind us of spiritual issues that you and I might have in our lives. And it all can keep us from serving God in his house. Now, this is such an uplifting message, isn't it? All these disqualifiers and how we're never going to be able to serve God. Catch this. I love this. This is great. And this is where that blessed assurance came into play. Look at the last part of the chapter. Let's look at um, verse 21 and go on. No man 
that hath a blemish of his seed of Aaron, the priest, shall come nigh to offer offerings of the Lord made by fire. He hath a blemish, he shall not come nigh to offer the bread of his God. And we talked last week about the focus on that being God's word, the bread. Okay? You are not able to minister because of these things. Well, you and I are going to struggle with sharing God's word if we have these, any of these problems in our life. But here's the cool part. Look at verse 22. He shall eat the bread of his God, both of the most holy and the holy. Now let that sink in in a minute. God says, okay, if you got an issue in your life and it's, you're, you're maybe hindered from sharing the word of God with somebody else effectively, but you're still able to partake of his word. You're still able to grow. You're still able to nourish yourself. You're still able. God never cuts us off. So maybe we can't take it effectively and share it with somebody else, but it is always there to minister to us. Why? Because he wants us to straighten out. The great part about every one of these spiritual issues that are there, a physical issue, I've never seen a dwarf grow into the size of a normal person. Okay? A blind man, unless God does a miracle, is going to stay blind. But all the spiritual things that God has shown us this morning, he is able to take all those things and fix them if you and I would just let them go. And that's why I talked about that song this morning. I cuss a little. Well, stop. I drink a lot. Stop. Well, you know, I, I got other things leading me around by the nose. Well, stop. Let them go. I got my focuses on too many other things. Put those things aside and focus on what you ought to be focusing on. Well, my walk isn't what it should be. You know, I'm a Christian, but nobody around me knows it because I don't act like it. We'll start acting like it. Every one of these things God can fix. Isn't it great? So he says, listen, you may not be able to minister the word, but you can still feed on it. You may not be able to take the bread and offer the offerings, but you're still able to partake of it and grow and fix those issues. I love that. Because you know what? If it were not for that, I wouldn't be standing up here right now. I got enough issues in my life right now that I need to just say, sorry, Lord, you know what? I'm not worthy of standing up here, and I'm not. But the great part about it is our Jesus wants to fix us. We can take off that old man and put on a new man. We can be transformed. And we can be like Jesus. That's what he says. Listen, I've set you apart. Now set your own self apart. Take all those things that might be disqualifying you and get rid of them. Hallelujah. Oh, you know what? I got issues in my life. I'll never be able to minister to God. Yes, you can, because you can take the bread yourself and grow. Get healthy. Fix those issues and move forward. Man, praise God for that. That Jesus didn't come here to condemn us, but he wants to change us. So as much as I read through this and I was studying it going, Lord, this is fun stuff. Talking about all these disabilities, handicaps, all these physical problems that human beings might have. But I think, thank the Lord when it comes to the spiritual problems, those are fixed pretty easily if we would just sanctify ourselves to the Lord. 
if we would just choose to put those things aside. Lay them down. Let them go. Let God heal them. And step up and minister his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Thank you for the privilege again, Lord, of being set apart. Lord, you've made something special for us to do. And it's not because we're special, but it's because you have given us a special job. We're your children. Lord, and we get to minister to this world the love of our God and the salvation that Jesus provides. But Father, it's absolutely clear. In my life alone, I know that I've had some of these spiritual issues that hindered me from sharing the Word of God. Man, we can go talk about it, but we're, if we're not living like it, and we can share the truth, but we're not standing up for it, if we're so full of the knowledge but not willing to serve, if we've never grown, if our focus is distracted, Lord, if we're led about or have these extra superfluous things in our lives, Lord, we need to remember why we're here. But Father, I'm so thankful that you didn't cut us out of the system. You didn't throw us aside like the prodigal son if we would just turn. And I love the phrase where it says, the prodigal realized that there is bread enough in my father's house. Father, if we just realize we have you as a loving father, you will always provide what we need. We just need to step up and put these things aside and sanctify our own selves unto you. Man, you're awesome. Thank you for loving us so much. Help us to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.